Welcome back to Sustainably Influenced. Can't believe we're almost halfway through the season already. Four weeks in, uh, six episodes to go, guys. We're doing well. Today, we're delving into the world of sustainable finance and the role of blockchain. I don't know. I was a bit nervous doing this episode because I thought, I know we've spoken about sustainable finance before on this podcast, but I didn't know if I could take it any further than what we'd already discussed, and it turns out that we can. So blockchain is really helping to reshape the investment and funding practices and those spaces. So you'll learn a lot about tokenization in this episode and how the tokenization of green assets, carbon credit markets and impact investing is all being driven by these sort of blockchain based platforms. When we talk about the role of blockchain in sustainable finance, it's really essential to understand that it operates on three distinct layers. The first layer involves tokenization, as I said. So that is where assets like renewable energy projects that we spoke about a couple of episodes ago, sustainable real estate or green bonds are converted into digital tokens. So that's why we say tokenization, because you've got these digital tokens. This process makes it so much easier to divide and trade ownership in these assets. One of the most significant impacts of blockchain on sustainable finance lies in the realm of carbon credits. So carbon credits represent reductions in greenhouse gas emissions achieved through various sustainable practices. Blockchain helps to create those carbon credit markets where these credits can be tracked and bought and sold separately and in a more transparent way. In the context of sustainable finance, blockchain also plays a really pivotal role in green verticals. These are specific sectors or industries such as renewable energy, as we've spoken about, or sustainable agriculture, which we've also spoken about, that attract investment for their environmentally friendly practices. Enter something that we've spoken about last season as well, refi, or renewable finance, an umbrella term that kind of encompasses various sustainable financial mechanisms. It leverages blockchain's transparency and security to help kind of facilitate and mobilise capital towards those green initiatives that we so desperately need. Refi initiatives aim to drive impact investing where investors prioritise both financial returns and positive environmental or social outcomes. Digitising financial systems using blockchain offers several key benefits. First and foremost, it enhances transparency. Investors and stakeholders can track the flow of funds and the impact of investments in real time, fostering trust and accountability. And I think trust is something that you hear a lot about when you're talking about finance, but also when you're talking about sustainability. And we've got a couple of episodes coming up later on in the season where we're really going to be talking about trust with regards to consumers and how to build that trust and allow people to feel safe when they're either spending their money with you or in this case, investing their money with you. Take, for instance, platforms like Nature Finance. These networks and networks of this kind of nature are part of Refi for Climate, an emerging ecosystem that harnesses blockchain tech to incentivize kind of more climate positive action. Although things like this are still quite new, they hold immense potential to channel capital into sustainable initiatives. And the transformational power of blockchain and sustainable finance lies in its ability to really kick into gear the capital towards projects that are not only like generating better financial returns, but also contribute to a greener, more sustainable planet. It's a fusion for me of technology and finance where transparency, accountability and impact sort of converge together to reshape the way that we're investing. 
Today's guest is Ilana Milkes Espinosa. Ilana is an entrepreneur and designer currently focused on democratizing access to environmental markets and climate investing with Selva Wild. In the past, Ilana has supported the democratization of high-quality technology education by pioneering coding boot camps in LATAM, Latin America, and open sourcing the methodology with world tech makers and developing decentralized maker labs to teach children how to become technology creators. Absolutely incredible, if you ask me. She's also behind Latin America's first digital nomads. Let's chat to Ilana. Thank you so much, Ilana, for joining me. This is a really interesting topic of discussion, and I don't think it's anything that we've spoken about before. We've spoken about finance on the podcast quite a few times and spoken about, like, refi, but I want to go into more depth with it and how blockchain is really enabling things. So blockchain has really been touted as a real catalyst for transforming traditional finance models. But how is that technology specifically contributing to the development and growth of sustainable finance initiatives, such as like tokenization of green assets and things like that? Yeah, well, thank you again for the invitation. I want to start there. And indeed, uh, blockchain is a technology that has been around for some years now, but now it's having a broader application, in particular to the architecture of, I guess, like crypto. So you have known crypto more on the currency side, but blockchain in the kind of architecture side for enabling new rails for transacting and also keeping storage of data. And so in particular with environmental markets, what happens is that the kind of more traditional methodologies to assess natural capital have been done very manually. So consultants going to different projects and assessing the potential of these, I guess, like natural ecosystems to either absorb carbon or perhaps provide ecosystem services for our societies. And the process have been made in a very manual way. And so this uh, way of doing things is very different from technology-driven system where you can bring in new types of innovations like blockchain or enabling that digitization first of data and natural capital and then traceability for transacting. So uh, the role of blockchain in this case has almost three layers. First, you know, keeping the storage of data, then you being able to turn that into assets and then being able to invest in channel funds through that. And this is something that we're starting to see, not just with refi startups that have been uh, launching tokens for climate or perhaps even new methodologies to assess that with blockchain, but also now with more mainstream organizations like uh, the UN that are starting to also include blockchain with refi as part of their methodology. So kind of like opening the door for the new rails of the finance world, which is blockchain based, for these vertical of finance, which is more like the climate vertical. So a lot of exciting things happening, for sure. I think it's really interesting. And I mean, I'm not going to lie and pretend that I understand absolutely everything that you're speaking about. But as part of my research with the episode, it's good that I get to know what these things are. And I'm furiously taking notes as you're speaking, because I want to make sure that I'm making all of this information as completely accessible as possible to my audience. But I mean, you were talking about green verticals there. And then there's something else that I've seen popping up quite a lot, which are carbon credits. And I think I have an understanding of what these are. But 
I don't think everybody completely understands what it is when it comes to what's being communicated to the general public. So these carbon credits and offset markets are pivotal in addressing like climate change. But how does blockchain enhance the transparency and traceability and overall efficiency of these markets? And what impact has it had on encouraging sustainable business practices? Well, I mean, from my perspective, it's still very early. So there are some use cases of new methodologies being built on the blockchain by organizations that have done extensive research from like different areas. So for instance, one organization called Terrasos, this woman in Colombia, she has done a lot of work around biodiversity frameworks without blockchain. And now she has entered the blockchain world for climate. But from my perspective, it's still very early. So we will see the use cases of blockchain plus climate over the next couple of years. And this will kind of finish opening up this door for climate finance. So I wish I could tell you there's a lot of different examples. There are a few companies I can kind of think of. So one called Credit Nature, other one in South Africa called Value Nature. There's a few also in Europe, the network of ReFi for climate. The use cases are still very new. So now in terms of like how the technology brings more access. So very simple use cases that are yet to be proven over the next year or so with like pilots and massive value creation and transfer are, for instance, the fact that once you have been able to create an asset, whether this is like a carbon credit or another type of asset on the blockchain, you can almost trace and see the moment of creation And then from there, not be able to modify it. So it's like a footprint that you create digitally and that enables more transparency and traceability. And in particular, with the creation of natural capital assets, you can even source where it came from and the fact that it was already generated, which is one of the biggest criticisms of carbon markets around double counting um, and also lack of transparency to whether the funds are going to the regions that need it the most, or even the project developers. And so this is one benefit. Another one is that you reduce the intermediaries and the costs that this entails, entails in terms of uh, you being able to not just source projects, which is something that we want to enable via blockchain system, but also fund the project. So one example is the fact that a lot of the traditional methodologies are very expensive. And so hiring consultants from a supply side, even if you have uh, hundreds of millions of dollars of potential assets in carbon credits by the design of the system itself, I think uh, having to pay 30K or 50K just to get started and then have to wait two years and then have consultants who don't even understand the natural capital you have on site and are very disconnected from the realities of where your ecosystem is based at has created a lot of either lack of curiosity from people who are very smart and have incredible resources, but they just don't see an incentive into entering this uh, natural capital management industry because the costs to entry are too high. And so when you enable a blockchain system that is decentralized, that enables many to many, for instance, entrances and funding, you can tear down the cost of access bringing more transparency and also traceability. Of course, there are costs to building the system and understanding what's going on and and kind of navigating the industry to enable the markets, to put it that way. But this is kind of a starting point. 
and a few examples of how the blockchain architecture can bring more access and then transparency and traceability. And of course, you're digitizing information as well. So in a way, you're making yourself uh, more visible for either looking for the investments or even kind of like justifying the impact. Now, of course, there are a lot of systems that also need to be brought aboard. So, for instance, remote sensing to truly measure also the data, which is a huge component that I think is missing in the climate industry. And, of course, monitoring as well and verifying on top of, you know, the rail system that will be kind of blockchain based. And another huge challenge is the fact that there's not much time to do national inventories the old way. Um, So you don't have time to walk around the countries. And so you need to have other technologies like AI even um, to kind of extrapolate information from like a niche or a smaller area, for instance. So there are a lot of benefits. But answering your question, it's still very early from my perspective, but we'll see the use cases over the next year um, to a couple of years. So this is already under work. And I know companies already doing pilots or even working with uh, methodology creators to enable that. I'm sitting here listening to you and I'm just thinking to myself, wow, there is so much going on that we don't really have a clue about. And there's so much happening in the tech space, in the finance space that so many of us feel very isolated from because we don't either don't work in the industry or don't understand it. And I want to make sure that with sustainability and with climate justice, that we're all thinking about these things as a whole because they all work together. It's really fascinating. And I'm glad that you spoke about the benefits of what it is that digitizing your system means, because I think so many of us don't still still don't really understand what the benefits are of this. They just hear this big, scary technical word and just shy away from it. Okay, so moving on to the next question, I want to talk a little bit about impact investing and what it is. I've seen that it's really gaining momentum. Could you elaborate on how blockchain-based platforms are influencing the way impact investments are being monitored and how the tech is reshaping this landscape? Well, that's an interesting question. (laughs) Listen, I have seen some cases of blockchain-based investors And I wouldn't say they're the most impact driven. There are some blockchains that have in within their design and their kind of technology, they have embedded impact kind of by default, by design. But there are other um, more blockchain type of uh, people or even crypto people that are not necessarily focusing on impact. With that said, I mean, defining impact investing is just so hard for me, also coming from an industry of finance, because I think that, you know, whatever decision you make, especially as an investor, you end up impacting one industry or another. So kind of falling into the um, idea of being environmentally driven for impact is not necessarily, from my perspective, like as a, I see myself more as an enabler and investor in a way. I don't think it's healthy to kind of say you're uh, one way or another, because at the end, everyone's an impact investor. Like, you know, the decisions you make with your money, and especially if you're an investor, end up impacting the world. And so uh, to me, there's not a clear kind of definition or separation. But in particular, I think a lot of blockchain people are not necessarily thinking about impact that way, maybe the way you perceive it. Yeah, it depends. But in general, I do think blockchain has a very strong statement around improving how the financial world works and also enabling more access to different ways to create and store money, which is what um, I guess like, you know, val- uh, finance enables. 
So that exchange, that storage of value, unit of account, which at the end is also an invention of by humans. And so whether this is blockchain or other types of technologies, um, I think the underlying principle of blockchain is that it's different and anyone can open an account and anyone can, who has access, of course, of, to the internet and certain infrastructure can participate. And this makes it in a way more inclusive from that perspective in general terms. I think that... There are a lot of people out there that are currently saying, oh, because it's blockchain, that it's better. But there is still an environmental impact associated with it. And it's not something that is discussed often enough. But I think there are so many as well impact investment companies when you think about it. Like, I'll just put it out there. Like, you've got circa 5,000 who we've had on the podcast before. Great platform. And they are kind of focused more about the around the environment and how to make a positive impact. And I think it's how we communicate that with our audiences, our consumers, to see how they're actually assimilating that information. Because you could say impact investing to somebody who's worked in finance for years, and it's going to mean something completely different to an everyday person who just wants to save their money in a better way. And it's about how that's communicated and how that information is then then used. We're all on a journey towards a greener future, making conscious choices about the products we buy. Have you ever wondered about the origins of the jewellery you wear? Well, wonder no more. Ernest Jones, Britain's favourite high street jeweller, is launching an exclusive new collection called Origin by Ernest Jones. This dazzling collection features 28 diamond rings, from classic solitaires to contemporary halo designs. But what sets it apart is the transparency it offers. Every diamond in the collection is fully traceable, responsibly sourced and handcrafted in recycled platinum or gold. How do they do it? With cutting-edge blockchain technology, you can now trace your diamond's unique journey from the depths of the earth to your finger. The blockchain records every step, including design, sourcing, cutting and assessing, giving you a digital passport for your diamond. Ernest Jones is a proud member of the World Diamond Council and the Responsible Jewellery Council. They've partnered with trusted suppliers to ensure their diamonds are conflict-free, responsibly sourced and come from ethical minds that prioritise the well-being of miners and the environment. And guess what? Ernest Jones is the first UK retailer to bring this fully traceable blockchain-powered collection to their high street stores. So join us in leading the way to a more sustainable future with Origin by Ernest Jones. Let's make a difference, one diamond at a time. Shop the collection now in-store or online at ernestjones.co.uk. So moving on, we're going to talk now about the decentralized nature of blockchain. It often promotes inclusivity in the context of sustainable finance. But how is blockchain actually democratizing access to investment opportunities in areas like renewable energy, clean tech and other green sectors? I guess, essentially empowering a wider range of investors. Yeah, well, I think I don't have enough data to tell you there are all these percentage of investors in blockchain that have been enabled by blockchain. But I do know from like the demand side, right? Like the investor side. I actually feel that blockchain investors are still seen as outliers within the finance industry. They're kind of the, in a way, rebels of, finance now you know then they'll be kind of the every industry isn't there so <laughs> yeah <laughs> and so there's not I, I wish I could answer but I don't have enough data to tell you you know like these blockchain investors have been enabled by blockchain and and this made kind of a change for that 
I guess it's because it's so new though. And that's probably why there's not as much data out there to kind of support that. Yeah, I think also it's because how it has been developing. So what really drove the adoption of crypto at the beginning was the currency, the Bitcoin currency in particular. And maybe with Ethereum, also the idea of you being able to add an extra layer of, I guess, applications to digital finance, which was the component of smart contracts. So you kind of being able to store something beyond just value with blockchain in this particular case. And so my perspective is that a lot of people who got into crypto were very driven with this idea of creating money in a very new way, enabling more architectures that were digital and in a way decentralized. And now we have started to see, have been starting to see the adoption of people who are not necessarily driven by uh, cryptocurrencies as their main passion, but applications of the blockchain uh, across different industries. And so, and you can also almost see it, but um, I mean, I I think an investor in blockchain who has been around could answer that better. (laughs) What I'm going to say is that, you know, from the supply side, like if you were, for instance, to be able to open an account, you can already see it and think about examples of countries that are driving this. So for example, El Salvador, you know, enable at the national level uh, policy to create blockchain-based ATMs and also uh, deploy a crypto wallet at the kind of national level a few years ago. And this was like by mandate of the government, which is very interesting. Now you can, um, uh, as a Salvadorian, open an account in a few seconds and, you know, receive money directly from someone without an intermediary and without the limitations of a traditional system in finance, which are, for instance, weekends being closed or you having to wait a few days to receive your money. Instant settlements in blockchain are, are the norm. And so this is something that brings more efficiency. And in a way, you being able to open your account like this brings more inclusion. And uh, yeah, this is one example, but this is more on the supply side, like you being able to open accounts. So it's a bit different from uh, the investor's perspective. But I think that that's really important as well, because when you think about it, the investment side is great, but it's how is it going to be used on the ground? How is it going to be used by the everyday person and understood? And I think that's where the value from this is coming. I think it's a really interesting topic for sure. Um, I mean, I had no idea that you in that in El Salvador that you could go at, that they had ATMs that were focused around like blockchain. And I thought I think that's incredible. Yeah. So just a question around that. Do people then are they able to log into their Bitcoin accounts and withdraw physical money or? Yeah, you can be the bridge of uh, the ATMs are a bridge between fiat money, which is kind of the traditional money of Salvador with uh, crypto money. And I know of this because uh, one of our former teammates was actually hired by the government to do this. This is like something rather new. There was a collapse of Bitcoin last year and uh, the president of Salvador had bought, he had purchased a lot of Bitcoins. And so he did a poor kind of performance there. But underneath the cryptocurrency move he made, like there was also a lot of infrastructure development, like these ATMs. Yeah, that's something that's possible. And I believe legislation uh, plays a huge role and also visionary governments, I think, because this has been around over 10 years. Like this is not something new. And we have seen some jurisdictions that have enabled legal compliance. 
And that has, of course, attracted entrepreneurs and investors and people who have been willing to kind of go all in on this new technology. But I think there's a, a lot to be done in the, in the next years. But this is just kind of the beginning of the adoption. It's fantastic. So yeah, for the last question, I'm a big believer that collaboration is key. And when we all come together, it facilitates a much larger change. So with that in mind, how can we look towards the future of more effective climate finance? And how does blockchain facilitate data sharing and collaboration among various stakeholders, governments, as you said, legislations coming in, businesses, investors, NGOs, to accelerate the flow of funds into sustainable projects and drive that meaningful change? Yeah, I mean, I I want to say that there is a competition between blockchains. And so this is something that is very important to mention because I do believe in collaboration, but the blockchain world is also divided in terms of what blockchain is better than the other. And so this is a nuance that maybe a lot of people don't dive into when they understand what blockchain is, because there are many different types of blockchains. And so this is something that I want to start with, because even though there is this concept of decentralizing and bringing you know, the rails of the new system, there are different blockchains. And a lot of times, a lot of people are very kind of passionate about which blockchain is better than the other. But the benefits, I think, are greater than the traditional financial system. And I think that, um, you know, I wish I could answer your question, but we will see. I mean, having blockchain doesn't mean we'll solve climate or climate finance. And so this is something that is yet to be seen. I do think that a market where there's a lack of pricing that is global, where there's a very difficult access for you to participate in the market, where there's no traceability of your funds, the rules are very arbitrary and unclear. I think blockchain can definitely help bring more transparency, regardless of which blockchain we're talking about. But in particular, we do have some positions around which blockchains uh, we uh, think are better. But the climate finance industry may not be solved with blockchain. We'll see that. Hopefully it's going to change stuff, but we'll see. I mean, this is something that we still need to make happen. Thank you so much, Alana, for joining me. That was a really interesting conversation. I think so many of us don't understand the need for these greener initiatives when we're talking about our money and what you're doing is amazing work. So thank you for joining me. As we conclude this episode, I really want to just point out that we are talking about blockchain and sustainable finance, but these things are still quite early in their development. And there's so much more that we can learn and explore and discover and innovate in this space. So next week, we'll be talking about how we're optimizing agricultural practices and enabling the beauty industry to move forward towards more enhanced sustainability. So this is going to be the first beauty episode of the season. And I'm very excited to speak to my guest on that episode because it's a good one. So until next week, make sure that you're subscribed and listen back to previous episodes of Sustainably Influenced on all good podcast platforms. You can follow at Sustainably Influenced on Instagram and TikTok and our newly launched platform. I'm Bianca Foley. Thank you for listening. This season of Sustainably Influenced was produced by Content is Queen, sound editor Amber Miller and presented by Bianca Foley.